On this week's Pat's Madness, we are going to talk the start of free agency. It's already been a wild uh, free agent period. We're, we're only two days in, for goodness sake, but it's been a wild free agent period. We're also going to be talking about uh, tight ends in the NFL draft this week. So two from me and two from Spags. We've got four tight end previews for you. And then the first round of Pat's Madness is over. The voting is done. We're going to announce the results, and the polls will be up this weekend for round two. So make sure you check that out. Buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. I know, right? Everyone, if you, if you heard that, like, huh? You better you better understand what that means. But, hey, it's uh, now the time to turn the chapter and look forward to next year and try to repeat his chance. The hardest thing to do in sports. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, not only that, but also try to go to three straight um, – I'm sorry, four straight Super Bowls, which hasn't been done, obviously, since Buffalo did it in the 90s. They didn't win any of them. But, you know, if the Patriots could go to four straight, that would be just wild. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's what's going on. Obviously, free agency started. Free agency, we were just talking before, before we started recording here. Honestly, this time of year is the hardest time to be a Patriots fan. And it seems stupid and foolish and, blah, you know, and everything else. But, like, you know – Everyone's out there making these splash moves, and you want to go after these free agents, and everyone talks them up, and you're like, oh, you know, the Patriots might be in on this guy, and they might be in on that guy, and they're just not willing to offer as much money as the other teams because they know that's not a wise decision, and you know it's not a wise decision, but you still want them to go after those guys, and yeah, so you still disappoint when they don't get them. Yeah, I was going to – I was just, you know, building off what you say, like, you know, all these moves are the smart moves. You don't want to pay Trey Flowers that money. You don't want to pay Trent Brown that money. Obviously, you'd like to keep those guys. And obviously, we're not going out and paying Le'Veon Bell for 13% of our salary cap. And it, it, but like, it does suck because you wanna you wanna see those big name guys because just like the buzz and the adrenaline you get through it. But like, when you sit back and you look in September and be like, you know, this is like, this is why we win championships. You know, like it's just yep. they stay back. They 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 get they go bargain shopping on day three. They head into the draft with a plan, and if they don't, their plan doesn't work. Then they make a trade. You know, I, I'm I'm guaranteed, I'm guaranteeing they'll make at least one deal to draft. They always do. You know, there's some oh, they'll make... some guys out there that are that yeah. are available. Uh, I saw Duke Johnson's name. That's another story for another time. I don't know if that'll ever fit here, um, because of the you know they're so logged at running back. But who knows? You know, but uh. I think if they if they can lock up Gostowski, I think Rich Hill said it. Um, they can lock up Gostowski and Allen um, before the draft. I think New England is sitting pretty in the draft because everyone's complaining about wide receiver, but 
But it's a very deep class there. It's a very deep class at receiver. I wouldn't even be shocked if they take one at 32. Right. I mean, we talked wide receiver last week, right? And it's one of those things yeah. where, you know, I wouldn't – I think you're right. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see them jump up and, and grab someone at 32 or even, you know, trade up in the second round and get someone or, you know, take someone in the second or third round. I mean, they just – you know, that's kind of what – The only thing that scares me is they, they've struggled in the past with drafting receivers. I know Edelman turned out, but, like, they didn't draft him thinking he was going to be Julian Edelman. Like, let's be real. Deion Branch was one. And then I guess, I guess off the top of my head, I'm just saying, I guess you could say Malcolm Mitchell because he looked very promising before the knee. But, like, right. as of recent, like, Aaron Dobson sucked. Um, you know, I, I can't really remember a receiver like uh, pointing out and being like, "Huh, you know that that well, was a great pick." Besides, yeah, that, and you're right about like said. no, no, and you're right about that. I mean, you know, obviously you got Branch and you have David Gibbons in the same draft, you know, That's second right. and seventh yep. round for Gibbons, yeah, but, but you know, but there isn't a lot. But here's the thing: in the last ten drafts, they've drafted five receivers in the first five rounds. They've wow, never drafted a receiver higher than the second round. And most of these guys are fourth or fifth round guys. Now, out of that group, right, you have the only one that's relevant at all is, you know, is Mitchell. And Mitchell, again, for for Mitchell, I think that he's a win. Like, Mitchell would have been a first or second round pick if he didn't have If it wasn't for his knees. And he didn't win that Super Bowl without him. 100%. 100% you don't win 51 without Malcolm Mitchell. So just for that game alone – you get a check mark for Malcolm Mitchell. Now, the other guys they drafted, not so much. I mean, those guys have have, you know, kind of unequivocally sucked. You know, when you look at Dobson and Josh Boyce and uh Taylor Price and these like some of these guys just stink. And so like and so it's like, okay, they missed on a few of those guys, but they're not taking guys high in the draft. A lot of these guys are third, fourth, fifth round guys that they're like, okay, we'll take a shot at them, but it, it's not like it's not like the future – we're not like going into the draft saying, okay, we have to draft an, an elite wide receiver and then not getting one. They're taking guys that they think are good value at that spot, maybe contribute here and there, but you know, not so much. The, one of the other guys on that list, by the way, is Brandon Tate. And a lot of people would call Brandon Tate a, a bust and a failure. And I would say I understand where you're coming from. He's still in the league, though. He's still considered an above-average kick returner. And from where he was drafted – even that is good enough. Now, obviously, he's not a he's not a great receiver by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even think he's a receiver anymore. To be honest, with you. he's more just a kickoff specialist. But even still, he's on an NFL roster, returning kicks, returning punts, and that's good enough, I think, to kind of count as you know as a decent player. So now you're talking about two out of five in the last ten or you know in the last eleven years, I think it is, or last eleven drafts or something like that. So. So it's not it's not a, a huge sample size, and you're almost fifty percent. You know, you're you're forty percent there, even still. So you know, I think that I think that that thing is blown out of proportion only because you haven't seen a guy come in and play well. But I think that you know certainly it's possible for them to do it, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did it this year. So we'll see. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they identified someone, went after him, and you know, and he and he was solid this year. Yeah, and, and I like the signing, too, kind of flipping the script to, to what they did today. Um, Stay a receiver. I like that signing of uh, Maurice Harris. 
Um, you know, to be honest, I, I, I remember him from the week one preseason game. I think Brian Phillips said he caught a couple passes and a touchdown and, like, looked really good out there. I remember looking yeah, at it. I actually thought it was Dwayne Harris at the time. Um, right. The, the old punt returner from the Giants. It turns out it's a different one. And, you know, looking at some film today on him, he, he looks promising in the slot. He's a tall guy, 6'3", physical. Um, I think he can help them out, kind of like an inside-outside option, can kind of play all over the field and line up all over the place, kind of like an Edelman. You know, I think he's going to be one of those uh, one of those guys that comes into camp with a lot of hype on him. There'll be a lot of right. eyes on him. Um, unless they go out and, you know, trade for a big-name receiver or, or they, they sign someone like, you know, Jordy Nelson, which I don't think is going to happen, but... Uh, I would say as of right now, that's a guy that we could look at right now and be like, huh, is that going to be like a Chris Hogan where he comes in, you kind of don't know what you're going to expect from him, and he turns out to have a big year. So, Right. Now it's a good point. It's a good point. I think, you know, the other guy they brought in today was Bruce Ellington, and I thought Ellington, you know, although he his stats have never been great, he gets out on the field and he produces every now and again. And so he's a guy that's, you know, he's certainly not going to be a top option for them He's probably not even going to be in the rotation, but he's just a guy that can kind of come in and, you know, succeed in spots. So like, for instance, and I know there's not a ton of value here, but Philip Dorsett, who they re-signed, who we both like a lot and think is going to have a bigger role. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ellington take over Dorsett's current role, which is kind of that, you know, fourth, fifth option comes in, can run a few good routes. And, you know, is pretty shorthanded and makes some catches, maybe in some big spots, maybe not. But, you know, is at least a competent guy who, yeah, doesn't see the field a ton. But, like, when he's out there, you're like, okay, we can depend on this guy to at least get, you know, and, and come up with a few catches. And so I think, you know, obviously that's it's not super flashy, but you just need you need an abundance of guys like that. And so I think that that's another good, you know, another good guy they got. For and I think purposes, they can help out know? special teams too. Both of them, both of them are, are, are right. special teamers too. That can help. Exactly. Yeah, as always is with the Patriots, right? So, and the the big thing, you know, the big thing, obviously, the the Michael Bennett trade we haven't talked about because that happened over the weekend. The Michael Bennett trade was a huge trade, I think, for the Patriots. And, and look, I don't know. Let's let's not let's not be foolish here. Okay, the stats last year, he had more Hardys you know, and more sacks than Trey Flowers. But let's not get crazy, okay? We don't. No one's expecting Michael Bennett to go in and replace and be better than Trey Flowers. That's just silly. And, and no one's no it. one's saying that. No one's, no one's expecting, expecting that. It. And that's, yeah. you know, right. And, and so, but the thing is, is that you're looking for a rotation that can kind of come in and say, okay, we have a rotation here and we can duplicate kind of what Trey Flowers had done, not with one guy, but with two or three guys. And so... You know, you have Wise and you have Rivers and you have Claiborne and you have Bennett. And those guys can kind of uh, come through and give you, you know, close to what you got from Flowers. I think Bennett is a really good player. It's a, he's got two years left on his deal. Like he's, he's a solid player and he loves Belichick and he loves, well, I don't know, but he, he was talking about how he hated the Patriots, but now he loves it here. But like he loves Belichick and he's talked over and over and over again about Belichick and Brady and how much he respects them. And that's when, you know, he had just lost a Super Bowl to them. And so it's not like he had any reason to say that. He's just been saying for years that he loves those guys and respects those guys. I think that he's going to come in and play well and, you know, whatever. He's a big personality and everything else. But I think he'll come in 
and played well for the Patriots. The other guy that they brought in today was Mike Pennell. And uh, Byrne had written something on Mike Pennell a few weeks ago about how he might be the really, uh, you know, intriguing find for the Patriots. And um, he's more of a, he's more of a, uh, a nose guy because he's about 330 pounds, but he can move at his position. And, you know, you, and I think you tweeted out earlier today too, you stick guy and Pennell in the middle. That's like, a good run. That's really good. Yeah. They, they were, they were the two highest ranked interior D linemen, according to pro football focus. I think guy led the AFC with like a 91.1 rating and, and Pennell was behind him with like an 87.6 or something. I'm going off the top of my head, but right, those right. two in the middle, and he can help out in the pass rush too. Um, you know, you get those two absolute beasts in the middle, factor in, you know, I think their front seven's fine. I think they will they may add some depth too. I mean, who knows what they do at 32? No one knows. Like, right. Lawrence linked there, maybe a Christian Wilkins. But I think their front seven looks pretty decent right now. I mean, I definitely think they need some help. Wide receivers, some tight end help, but we'll see. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them target, a, you know, a defensive secondary guy. You know, you see the – obviously they signed Jay back, and, you know, that contract comes in as 10 – you know, two years, $10 million. So they're paying him a decent salary. They they clearly have their eyes on him. And, and uh, you know, I think they're doing what any good team does and building up their lines. And so the, obviously you get the big hole with Trent Brown, left tackle. But – you knew Trent Brown was gone. It's one of those things, right? And like I said, with, with being a Patriots fan, like you knew Trent Brown was gone. You knew probably Trey Flowers was gone. And Brian Phillips has been has been banging that drum for, you know, months. And I've Almost been, a year. no, 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 they're not going to, you know, they're going to sign. I'm just saying, I was just a nah. Like, you know, you sit there and say, you know, it's going to happen. But, you know, and he was right. And he nailed it. And, you know, the the money was just too big. And, and you know, how about the Patriots? With back-to-back years, with their starting left tackle being the highest-paid player in the history of you know highest-paid offensive lineman in the history of the NFL in back-to-back seasons, it's wild. I mean, it, it's crazy when you look at it, you know. And 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 Trent Brown was a guy that that the Niners basically gave up on last year, and he comes in here and plays great, and you know he deserved every penny of that money he got because he was a monster last year. And so you know, yeah, it's going to be hard to replace him, but. They have Wynn waiting in the background, right? And, and you know, maybe Waddle waiting in the background. And, and well, of course, Waddle's a free agent, but he'll be back. I, I'd be surprised if Waddle wasn't back. You know, and then Flowers leaves, and you trade for Bennett, and you got Wise, and you got Rivers, and you got – like, they build this depth, understanding they're going to lose some of those guys because they're not paying premium dollars for anybody. You know, I mean, Brady's the most important guy on the team, and he doesn't get premium dollars. So it's like, you know – Nobody's getting premium dollars. I mean, and two, like, it's it's one of those things, like, that, and that's why I, I had a big talk with my dad about it. Like, that's why the Patriots win Super Bowls because they're not linked into these ridiculous long-term contracts with all these guarantees. It's just like, yeah, like, there's no reason Le'Veon Bell should be making that money as a running back. Like, it, it just baffles me. You're gonna, they, I think the Patriots, the whole running back depth chart, I keep going back to Bell because I was just so baffled at that deal. Yeah. Um, it makes like $2 million less than him combined. Like it's Nick crazy, Foles got what, like a $50 million guaranteed? Like, oh my God, man. Yeah. It's yeah. like some of these contracts, like everyone complains the Patriots win too much and it's not. They just, they're just smart. They just know how to, they, 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 
it's just insane. They they go shopping at like building nineteen and come out with like gold. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I mean, it's it's so true, and and that's really that's honestly what they're you know what they're known for. And it's funny they pride themselves. You on mentioned it. Bell, and I tip your cap. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, and, and it's true. And, and get away from those big those big free agent signings. Adam, you know, Adam Humphrey's got what nine million dollars a year, and, and there were talks like that the Patriots offered him ten million. Right. I mean, yeah. they, they were saying they were talking to people offered them ten million, which, by the way, is a zero percent chance of that because if they had done that, they would have done the same thing for Tate. So you know, maybe they like Humphrey's better. I don't know, but I'd be shocked if the was a year for Humphrey's. But they didn't go after. You know, they were, they were in on all three of those guys. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, maybe with the money too, with with Tate being thirty-one, might have shied him away a little bit. Maybe he wanted, you know, three, four years, and they were only willing to go two. Right. You know, I which think that fun. that might get him in the fallout there, which I understand. I understand. I mean, yeah. he's a, he's one of those guys that's taken a lot of hits at his size. He's had a long career. He's been productive, but if I I wouldn't if they gave him four years, I'd be like, come on. Would say would never, right. but no, hundred. I mean, hundred percent. You know, and that's so anyway. So that's I I think. Again, they're doing the smart thing by not overpaying those guys, and so I think that that's the right call. Now you're talking about the uh, the Bell deal, and I just think it's hysterical. Now I wrote an article about about the Bell deal, about the Steelers, and how they screwed up. You know, last year I don't want to get into the whole thing, and they should have traded Bell and Brown last year, but they didn't. But by the thing about the Bell deal is that, and the thing about what Le'Veon Bell did, and why I don't think anyone's going to do this again. Here's the thing. He got offered $60 million guaranteed by the Steelers last offseason or two offseasons ago. And he got $30 million. He turned it down. But I'm saying he got $30 million in this new deal now. So he lost about $30 million. Well, you know what? That's my mistake. He got $60 million uh, total. And I think it was a a, a total of $30 million guaranteed. So it was $60 million total. And he ended up with like $66 here. But he got zero last year. Zero. So if he had signed this deal last year, now you're talking about he gets the same deal. And he actually gets paid last year instead of getting nothing. And so it's one of those things where you look at it and say, you know, he was a free agent last year. And yeah, it got him away from the Steelers. But if he had just signed the contract, he got the same amount of money and the cap is bigger. So it's not like, you know, he's actually getting a, a lower percentage of the salary cap than he was before. And so, you know, it's just an interesting situation where he didn't necessarily cost himself money, uh, although theoretically he did last year, because if he had signed the one-year deal last year, he makes his, you know, $15 million last year and then still gets $60 million guaranteed this year. So it's not like he's getting more than he would have. But it, it's just it's just interesting. He didn't gain anything from doing this. It's not like he, you know, he shot his way out of town from Pittsburgh and someone gave him, you know, a 75, $80 million contract. It didn't happen. And so it's like one of those things where like, I think if you're, if you're a player looking at it, you're saying might not be the best decision to do that because yeah, he got himself out of town. He got himself out of Pittsburgh, but like he, you know, he didn't play all year last year. He cost himself $15 million just by not playing. And then he ends up with the same contract you could have had last year. So like, what are we doing? So uh, those things. So, you know, so we'll see, but but I think that's kind of that's where it's trending at least for me. So, well, uh, Pat, yeah, why don't you before we get into our tight ends, why don't you touch upon 
uh, a little Pat's Madness, break down those matchups and, and uh, what, what the well, next round looks like. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we'll get into more free agent talk, obviously, next week. I mean, this free agency is going to go on for a while. So we'll get into that talk. But I, I love the transition over to Pat's Madness here. The first round is over. As I said in the intro, it's done. It's over. Uh, the number one seeds, bloodbath across the board, as we kind of expected, uh, the lowest of the one seed was uh, 80% of the vote went to Super Bowl 38 against the Mo Lewis game. But we had 96 to four was Super Bowl 51, 97 to three was Super Bowl 49, and 96 to four was Super Bowl 36. So you look at those three, and those are the, really the big three that you're looking at, anyways. The other 90 point, uh, the other 90 point games were 90 to 10 was the 14 Baltimore in the Brady region. And 91 to 9 in the Brown region was the Kansas City game this this past year. So uh those are really your two, your big number two seeds. Uh surprising things for us here, all four number five seeds won, which is strange. It just it was just weird how it happened like that. You get the 03 game versus uh Indy, or the 03 game at Indy with the goal line stand at the end. Versus that was the five seed versus the four seed was the uh, the O one Brady's first comeback of his career first fourth quarter comeback of his career against San Diego in two thousand one that was the four seed that was eighty seven to thirteen eighty seven percent of the people picked the the uh, the Colts game and the Colts game was a great game but like you're talking about the Brady's first ever fourth quarter comeback but uh, eighty seven to thirteen so that was a, a bloodbath. Uh, and then, you know, you had 03 versus Indy. That was the um, divisional round game. That I'm sorry, that was the AFC Championship game. And that was against the, the um, 2013 game against New Orleans. The Canberra Tompkins catch on the back of the end zone. That was another win. So it was just interesting how the how the five seeds won. Anything lower than a five seed, everything lower than a five seed lost, except the three seed in the Brewski region was the Jacksonville AFC Championship game in 2017 with Amendola with the crazy catch in the back of the end zone. That lost to the 04 AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. So that one was surprising to me. I, I was surprised by that because, yeah, the 04 game in Pittsburgh was a great game, but, like, it was a, they killed they, – they, they, they demolished that Steelers team, where, whereas that Jacksonville game was a close game. So, um, you know, there's some interesting matchups coming. I think the um, the one that I'm looking at the closest is the Tuck Rule, which is the three seed in the in the Gronk region against Super Bowl 39. Super Bowl 39 is one of those games where if it wasn't a Super Bowl, it wouldn't be in on the list at all. But it was a Super Bowl, so like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, the Tuck Rule was amazing, obviously, but um, you know, is it going to be able to take down you know a Super Bowl win? I think it might. It might take that one down. So um, that's the one I'm looking at the closest. I was, um, you know, I just thought that that one was interesting. And so, you know, out of the, but out of the Super Bowl wins, the lowest percentage of votes gained by the Super Bowl wins was Super Bowl 53. Only got 74% of the votes against the butt fumble. So uh, that was the lowest one there. I was surprised by that. I thought it would be Super Bowl 39, but, uh, but it was not. So, um, it's going to be a heck of a, you know, it's going to be a heck of a, of a second round. Well, there's only 16 games left. So just, I'll just, I'm going to rattle them off super quick. Look, you may not be able to follow it. I'm just going to rattle them off super quick, just so you can hear it. 
as I said, the bracket. So we have a new bracket that has these matchups already printed out on it that you can print out. We have the regular bracket that's already on Pat's Bubble that you can print out. And then we're going to have the voting for you is going to be open this weekend. So you can get on and vote this weekend as well. So, uh, But in the Brady region, we have Super Bowl 51 against the 03 game at Indy. That's the goal line sand game. We have the 06 game in San Diego, the 06 divisional round game in San Diego against the 2014 comeback against Baltimore in the divisional round. In the Gronk region, we have Super Bowl 49 against uh, 03 versus Indy. That's the AFC Championship game in 2003 against Indy. And then the Tuck Rule against Super Bowl 39. In the Brown region, we have Super Bowl 36 against the AFC Championship game in 2011 against Baltimore. And we have the 01 uh, AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh against this year's AFC Championship game in Kansas City. That one is going to be a bloodbath, I think. Kansas City is going to crush that one. Uh, and then in the Brewski region, for our last two matchups, we have Super Bowl 38 against the Baltimore. And then we have uh, the 04 Pittsburgh against Super Bowl 53. So those are the matchups. Again, you know, but I think, in my opinion, the one that has the best chance of upsetting is going to be that tuck rule against Super Bowl 39. I think that that's going to be the one that I look at to say I think that that one can win just based on the, the way the voting went in the first round and based on the way that, yeah, Super Bowl 39 is good. Super Bowl win, obviously. But as far as greatest game of the Brady Belichick era, it just it wasn't that great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm interested to see, too. Um, I, I think that that Baltimore game will uh, offset Super Bowl 38, I think you said, there in that Bruschi region. I think that's a very underrated game. It's one of my favorite games of all time, for sure. So, Oh, that that's a heck of a pick right there. Yeah, I, I, if I'm I like voting, it. I'm thinking I'm going to vote against it. So, I like it. I like it. Yeah, and that's that's the great part about it is that, you know, people have, you know, as we said in the first round, people have different opinions about it. And, you know, you may feel a certain affinity for, for a game that other people, you vote however you want to vote, people. There is no wrong answer here. And so, you know, you vote on it and, um, you know, and kind of go from there. Again, I you know, what, what I'm really interested in, and we're looking ahead like two rounds here, but I'm interested in the final four is going to be Super Bowl 51 against Super Bowl 49. And that's going to be a hell of a matchup in the final four. It's not even in the finals. That's in the final four. I'm really curious to see how that one's going to go. And, uh, you know, you know, kind of tip my hand a little bit, but I think that those two are going to, are going to take their regions They're the Brady and Gronk region. I think are going to end there. And I think that that's the matchup I'm most looking forward to. Now, obviously I'm looking ahead. So that may not come that way, depending on the way the votes go. Uh, but that's, that's what I think is going to happen. And, and I think that that's going to be, a lot of fun. So we'll see what happens there. I agree. And uh, segueing in to our um, tight end breakdown this week, Pat, um, to wrap up our show. I, I'll, uh, you want me to go first here? Yeah, do it. All right. Uh, so for my first guy, I got Irv Smith Jr. tight end out of Alabama. Everyone obviously probably recognizes that name just because of the Alabama attached to him. Six four. 245, 459, 40, pretty good. Projected, you know, late first, anywhere to the early third. I think he's going to end up in the, like, an early second round pick. But uh, huge mismatch weapon. Uh, pretty good route runner. He's got some quickness down the seam. Um, I, I don't throw this around too often when I see him. I, I, honestly, I'm not saying he's grog, but he draws, a, 
you know, some comparisons of him because he's good in different routes. He can run a slant. He can run a post. He's quick in and out of his routes. Uh, 44 passes for, 100, for 710 yards and seven touchdowns. You know Alabama. I mean, you know, they're kind of a ground and pound, run, um, you know, team. Catch 44 passes for 710 yards. That's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, this kid's a specimen. His father was actually a first-round pick in 1993, and uh, his his uh, uncle, Edward Smith, also played tight end in the NFL with the Falcons. Huge football family. Um, everything you read about him says he's a very humble kid, uh, pretty quiet, soft-spoken. Watch some interviews on him. Watch him at, his, uh, at the Combine. Uh, this kid's a special talent, and I think if they can end up with, obviously, Hawkinson is, is supposed to be a top-ten pick, so I don't think that's a – possibility but uh Fant who you're going to get into and Irv Smith if they can land one of those three I'd be really happy yeah yeah no I, I agree 100 percent and, and I'm, I'll get into Fant too no Fant from Iowa um you know as you kind of mentioned there he's the first guy I'm looking at look Noah Fant is a receiving tight end in the purest yeah. sense of the word Noah Fant is a receiving tight end and you know he's not just it's not just like oh well he's pretty no no you don't understand. Like people may not understand. At the combine, okay, at the combine, Noah Fant was number one in every single category for the tight ends, except for bench press. Even though he still had twenty of those, and uh, the twenty-yard treadle, he came in third. Otherwise, he was better than every other tight end in at the combine in every single category his vertical jump was two inches higher than the next guy his broad jump was four inches longer than the next guy his three cone drill was two tenths of a second faster than anybody else so like you're talking about a guy that is just physically is just gifted and he's a really good receiver he runs like very crisp and good routes. He's really good with the ball in his hands and after the catch. And I, I wrote, think Aaron Hernandez minus the, you know, murdering psychopath stuff. Beyond that, like that's, that's who he reminds me of. He's not a great blocker. Okay. So fine. He's not a great blocker. But when you're talking about mismatches offensively, you know, you talk about Gronk and how how great Gronk is. You know, I think of a, of a guy like Jimmy Graham back in the in his Saints days when you know nobody could cover Jimmy Graham, and you know Fant has a lot of experience. Kind of lot of guy I have too has that as well. But he lines up in different places. He lines up split out. He lines up you know in line. He lines up in the backfield occasionally. So you know he has experience doing those things. If he's there for thirty two, like you just like you said, man, I'm I'm hoping that they take him at thirty two because this kid. I think could be an impact player right away, especially if Gronk comes back and plays. Now you're talking about, you know, Fant and Gronk, and, you know, he has a year or two to kind of build up. And, and you never know, like, he may build up some strength. I mean, like I said, he, he, uh, he pushed out 20 reps on the bench. And so, yeah, he's not a great blocker, and his playing strength isn't great, you know, based on what everything I've heard. And, you know, you kind of see it too on film. He's not, he doesn't have great playing strength, but you know, a year or two in the NFL and you never know, he might be able to build that playing strength up a little bit. And now he becomes a little bit better blocker than he was, you know, no one's ever going to be as good as Gronk was, but you know, is, I should say, but you know, I mean, this kid, as far as like receiving wise, you're not going to find a better receiver at, uh, yeah, he's, 
He's fantastic. I watched him in the combine. He, he, he wowed me. Um, yeah. Such a great athlete. And then, I mean, even if he works with Gronk, you know, kind of right. learn the blocking way because they like blocking mm-hmm. tight ends. But he can learn fast. But uh, for my next guy, I got Caleb Wilson, uh, tight end out of the UCLA. Same size as um, Irv Smith, 6'4", 245. Ran a 4'6", 540, um, right around the late second, early third round pick. Um, it's 60 catches for 965 yards, four touchdowns. Um, you know, he, he's he's a little, you know, not as flexible as he should be for, for a guy at that size and, and, and a tight end. But um, he was phenomenal in 2017, mainly when he had Josh Rosen throwing on the ball. They they were, if you could remember, college football. I know it's obviously West Coast, a lot of people don't watch, but he was – those two were one of the best duos in college football as far as like receiver QB goes uh, to kind of like a step back this year. Obviously UCLA had a tough year, but um, physical guy, big, big, uh, big in blocking, very good blocking tight end. Um, could use some help in his route running, but um, he's another guy that maybe the Patriots look at if they can't strike out at, at these top three guys that obviously they're probably eyeing, you know, maybe they take a chance on this guy, you know, one of those fourth picks in there in the top 100. Yeah. Now it's another good, another good player. I agree. So I, the last guy I have is Josh Oliver. This guy is more of a project. He's more of a late round pick project type of player, but I like some of the stuff that he has. Uh, he's six, five as well. The guy has monster hands, monster hands. His hands are almost 11 inches long. They're just huge. And so, you know, you see hands like that, you know, Malcolm Mitchell had hands like that. Gronk has hands like that. You know, you see a guy that has hands like that and you're like, okay, talking about receiver like okay we can we can work with that so um you know another guy more of a receiver not an overpowering blocker but again 22 reps on the bench so he's got some strength to him it's just that he's not using in the right ways uh when he's blocking he went to san diego state pretty small school um you know but overall i mean i like the you know i like the chances of him becoming like a rotational tight end obviously if it's necessarily gonna be a starting tight end you know, but he could be a rotational guy. Uh, he's good in the seam. He does struggle. You know, he's not he's not super quick or athletic, but in the seam, he's pretty solid, and he does you know go up and fight for some footballs. His biggest problem, you know, is he has trouble like with man press and even with zone coverage. You know, if there's a guy in his way, he just he struggles getting you know getting around guys and, and you know and with some of his mobility and stuff. So there's some issues with that, but. You know, he does a good job high putting the football. And, you know, there's some questions about whether he can hold on to the ball once he gets hit hard. But, again, with hands like that, you know, with some NFL training, I mean, you know, for a late-round flyer guy, um, you know, it might be an interesting look. You know, obviously, it's like the complete opposite end of the spectrum of what they did last year with Izzo. You know, where Izzo was a guy who was a great blocker and, you know, had some receiving skills. This is a guy who, you know, is a pretty solid receiver and, you know, needs a little bit of work there, but also has, you know, a little bit of that strength that he could tailor into, you know, a decent blocker as well. So it's almost like the opposite end of the spectrum of Izzo from last year. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if he's taken, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round, somewhere around there. So, uh, you know, so that guy, he could he could certainly be a possibility for them. And again, it's Josh Oliver from San Diego State. 
So yeah, I mean, I like think that said, they, they, they had one of those guys too, like Ryan Izzo last year. Obviously, he was on IR, but I like the comparison. Maybe yeah, like like it, like you said, late round pick, take a shot. So right, exactly. So that's the way I look at it. So so we'll see. But anyways, you know, that's all we got this week. Um, you know, we have we more about free agency and you know, kind of get into what the Patriots roster will look like. I think we'll have a better idea of that, you know, come next week or certainly in the coming weeks. Um, you know, so we'll kind of see how things play out. Obviously, we'll be leading up to the draft. Uh, Pat's Madness is going to continue. So like I said, those you know, voting will be available over the weekend. Make sure you're on there and voting because, you know, again, we want people out there. We want people voting. We want, you know, we want we want to see who you guys want. Right. And so um, so we had a pretty good turnout first round, which is great. And, uh, you know, we're hoping to get a good turnout second round as well and, you know, kind of keep voting and, you know, keep it going. And I think it could be a lot of fun once we get towards the end here as well. So um, so it should be interesting to kind of see where it's going. So I'm excited about that. And we'll talk more about that next week, you know, as we move on to the third round. So uh, but again, it's uh, man, it's it's getting close to that time. And, you know. We're what a month away from the draft, or like a, a month and a few weeks away from the draft. Like we're we're closing in quick. It's uh, it's it's all coming up pretty fast, you know. Oh, absolutely! I, I said the same thing today. It's like we're gonna blank. We'll be at training camp. Like it, it goes by fast. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, so Spags, man, that's all we got. So it's been a pleasure as always. Absolutely, Pat, and uh, I hope you enjoyed your trip this past weekend down in Puerto Rico. We got a nice tan. Maybe we brought oh, some warm weather back today. It's nice out here on uh, what's it Thursday today. It's like fifty, so maybe you brought a little bit back with you. Yeah, it was nice. I I will say, man, I got a little sunburn. I pulled a pulled a uh, an El Stupido, as they would say, and uh, <laughs> I didn't put any suntan lotion on on the beach. Uh, and whatever, you live in Miami, right? it's a mess, but. That was great. I mean, we had, you know, we had so much fun. It was a blast. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. And then we had to come back to the cold weather, but it hasn't been too cold. So, you know, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, in the coming weeks, but you hit April and you're like, Oh, all of a sudden spring again. So we only got a few more weeks. So we'll see what happens, but, but all right. Anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. And, um, you know, and we will talk to you guys next week. Take care, everyone.